Welcome to The Open Word, the online teaching ministry of Pastor David Landry on today's episode. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. should have taken them just a couple of weeks to make from, again, the coastline there at Caesarea uh, over to the area of Rome. But now it's taken much longer than that. The ship was totally lost. They were marooned on an island that they didn't even recognize, and the fun doesn't end here. Above all that, even in the midst of the struggles and the catastrophes that were all around them, guess what? God was still with them. Not a soul was lost. God's providence is made no more clear than in the lives of His faithful children that are devoted to Him. He promises to guide and protect you as a follower of Christ. Today, Pastor David takes you to the book of Acts to encourage you with the examples of how God protected Paul and kept him safe. Even being stranded for weeks at sea in a storm, Paul found comfort in knowing that God was watching out for the men on the boat and assured those with him that they would all be okay. And here's Pastor David in the book of Acts chapter 27 as he continues his message, God's hand upon him. Sometimes you and I, we need to believe God for other people, other people that are in the middle of that crisis of faith. Sometimes we need to be the ones that are speaking that truth into their hearts when they're in a time of doubting. And understand, Paul didn't sell this situation. He explained to them, you know what? This ship is going to be lost, but all the souls on board would be saved. Look at verse 27. Now when the 14th night had come, as we were driven up and down in the Adriatic Sea, about midnight, the sailors sensed that they were drawing near some land. Now, how do you sense that you're drawing near land? I don't know. Maybe they smelled dirt, uh, you know, uh, or, or maybe they smelled forest or whatever. But they sensed in the middle of the night that they were drawing near land. Verse 28, and they took soundings and found it to be 20 fathoms or 120 feet deep at the ocean floor, 120 feet deep at that point in time. And then they'd gone a little further. They took the soundings again and found it to be about 15 fathoms or 90 feet deep at that point. And then fearing lest we should run aground on the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and they prayed for day to come. Middle of the night, pitch black. They think they're coming close to a shoreline. They see that the ocean floor is rising in front of them, and so they decide to drop anchors and wait for the morning. Again, whatever reason they felt the need to stop at that point, they dropped the anchors. They were now waiting for the morning. Verse 30, as the sailors were seeking, catch this. Luke just kind of puts this in here real quick. Verse 30, as the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship, 
when they had let down the skiff into the sea under the pretense of putting out anchors from the prow. You see what's going on here, the sailors. Okay, we're fairly near land. Let's, you and I, leave all these other guys here and we'll make it to shore in the skiff because not everybody's gonna fit on this skiff. And Paul saw this in verse 31. Paul said to the centurion and to the soldiers, unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. Well, that got the soldiers' attention now. Verse 32, then the soldiers cut away the ropes of the skiff and let it fall down. So you got to see the scene. These sailors, these seasoned sailors, you got uh, over 200 people on this ship, we'll find out in a moment. And these seasoned sailors, still in the midst of the storm, everything going on, pitch black at night, they're up in the front of the ship and they're letting down the lifeboat and they're getting ready to get into it. As they're letting it down, Paul lets the Romans know. And Romans say, uh-uh, you're not leaving without us, baby. So they come up with their swords. They cut the ropes. The skiff drops. The lifeboat is gone. They don't have a lifeboat. They're all together at this point in time. So in verse 33, and as day was about to dawn, Paul implored them all to take food, saying, today is the 14th day. You have waited and continued without food and eating nothing. Therefore, I urge you to take nourishment, for this is for your survival, since not a hair will fall from the head of any of you. And when he had said these things, he took bread and gave thanks to God in the presence of them all. And when he had broken it, he began to eat. Then they all encouraged and also took food themselves. And in all, we were 267 persons on the ship. So when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship and threw out the wheat into the sea. The wheat was the only thing that they had to sell. There was a cargo ship undoubtedly going to, again, sell that cargo of wheat. They had thrown out the tackle. They had thrown out all the other unnecessary things. They figured the ship's going to get lost. We want to do as much as we can to save ourselves. They even threw the wheat into the sea. Verse 39, when it was day, they didn't recognize the land, but they observed a bay with a beach onto which they planned to run the ship if possible. And they let go the anchors and they left them in the sea. So they just cut the anchors off, left them behind them. Meanwhile, loosening the rudder ropes, they hoisted the mainsail to the wind and made it for shore. But striking a place where two seas meet, in other words, a sand dune, again, an underwater dune was there. They ran the ship aground and the brow stuck fast and remained unmovable, but the stern was being broken up by the violence of the waves. So again, they ran into this sea bar, this underwater sandbar there, stuck the front end of the ship. Now the back end is being beaten and torn apart by the violence of the waves. Verse 42. Now, first of all, we had the sailors figuring they were going to get out of this thing. Now the soldiers, they've got another plan. Their plan was to kill the prisoners because if any of those prisoners escaped, then the soldiers themselves would be responsible for each one. They understood that. So they planned to kill the prisoners lest any of them should swim away and escape. But the centurion, wanting to save Paul, kept them from that purpose and commanded that those who could swim should jump overboard first and get to land. And the rest some on boards and some on parts of the ship. And so it was that they all escaped safely to the land. Now, I want to take this opportunity to let you guys know about the Mediterranean cruise that we're planning next <laughs> fall, if anybody's interested in it. No. 
It should have taken them just a couple of weeks to make from, again, the coastline there at Caesarea uh, over to the area of Rome. But now it's taken much longer than that. The ship was totally lost. They were marooned on an island that they didn't even recognize, and the fun doesn't end here. Above all that, even in the midst of the struggles and the catastrophes that were all around them, guess what? God was still with them. Not a soul was lost. All the unnecessary things of life have been stripped away. God was still in control. Let's press into chapter 28. When they had escaped, they then found out that the island was called Malta. And the natives showed us an unusual kindness. For they kindled a fire and made us all welcome because of the rain that was falling and because of the cold. But when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper, a venomous snake, uh, came out because of the heat and fastened onto his hand. It just doesn't get any easier. Verse 4, so when the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, there's no doubt in my mind, this guy is a murderer, whom though he has escaped the sea, yet justice does not allow to live. A superstition. A superstition that bad things happen to bad people and only good things happen to good people. You know, the problem is most of us still live under that superstition. You know, if you were really serving God, if God really loved you, everything would be smooth and wonderful in your life. Oh, you're having problems. There must be something that's wrong in your life. Beloved, look at, just look at the life of Paul. And that ought to cancel that foolishness out right there. Paul serving the Lord with every ounce of his being, and yet all that he went through. Beloved, it's not the actions that are going on in your life right now. It is the reality of God's plan and God's purpose. These people here on this island of Malta, they were, they were neither Jews nor Christians. They were pagans, and they held on to their superstitions. They knew if a snake bites you, you're going to die. There's just no hope for that. But once again, God's hand was still upon the Apostle Paul, just as God shows himself strong to those who love him. Look at verse 5. And Paul shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. However, they were expecting that he would swell up and then suddenly fall down dead. But after they had looked for a long time and they saw no harm come upon him, well, they changed their minds. They said, well, he must be a god then. Oh, it sounds like the people of Lystra, doesn't it? Yeah. First they were a god, then they became demons. Well, here, you know, he's a bad guy, and now he's a god. From one extreme to the other. And people are the same way the world over yet even today. We haven't changed since creation. Paul had already taken great hardship throughout all of his ministry years. It isn't God that keeps us from every hardship of life. That's not what happens. Paul's life had been threatened. They had tried unsuccessfully to kill him on multiple occasions, and yet God's hand was still upon him. There's no doubt about it. But let me ask you, the question comes to mind. How do you explain, if God's hand is upon the apostle Paul, then how do you explain the fact that from the first century and even through today, believers, believers who love the Lord Jesus, who are serving the Lord Jesus, have been martyred for their faith? Well, let me push pause here for a moment and explain to you, Paul eventually is martyred for his faith. You understand that. But God had a plan and God has a purpose. Because you see, beloved, it wasn't about Paul. 
It was all about God's plan for Paul, okay? God had already told Paul that he was going to be a witness for him of the gospel there in Rome. So Paul wasn't going to die at the hand of the Jewish mob there on the temple in Jerusalem. Paul wasn't going to die at the hand of some Roman soldier before that time. He wasn't going to die in a shipwreck, and he wasn't going to die from some venomous snake. God was still working his plans out in the apostle's life, and there were still things Paul was called to do for the glory of Jesus Christ. He eventually would die at the hands of the Romans, but not here and not now. God's hand was still directing because God still had a purpose and a plan for him. Look in verse 7. In that region, there was an estate of the leading citizen of the island whose name was Publius who received us and entertained us courteously for three days. And it happened that the father of Publius lay sick of a fever and dysentery or cholera. Paul went in to him and prayed and laid his hands on him and healed him. So when this was done, the rest of those on the island who had diseases also came and were healed. They also honored us in many ways. And when we departed, they provided such things as were necessary. Undoubtedly, Publius was a pagan. He believed in the gods and the goddesses of the Greek culture. And yet God had a mind to heal his father. And apparently, guys, it wasn't because of Publius's faith. It wasn't because of Publius's father's faith. God simply used the apostle Paul to bring a miracle of healing to this man and showing once again the greatness of God over all of these other gods and goddesses that Publius and his family and that whole island had worshiped for years. And after his father was healed, the word got out quickly and suddenly Paul was swamped by all those on that island with diseases and God began to heal them. Now, there's another thing that you need to notice here. Luke tells us that they were healed, but there is no place here that Luke tells us that any of them came to faith in Christ. Think about that for a moment. You mean God would heal a pagan? Yeah. Why? Because he's God and you're not? Because he is working his plans and purposes? We don't know what the extended history of these guys were beyond this. At this point, their future. We don't know what that was. God was showing himself strong even to the non-believer because of his love for that non-believer and to once again show his own glory. Luke once again provides us now as we continue on with a bit more of the travel log. Look at verse 11. After how long? Three months on that island. After three months, we sailed in an Alexandrian ship whose figurehead was the twin brothers. That's the uh, two sons of Zeus, which had wintered at the island. And landing at Syracuse, we stayed three days. And from there, we circled around and we reached Rykium. And after one day, the south wind blew. And the next day, we came to Putole. There we found brethren, they found other believers and were invited to stay with them seven days. And so we went toward Rome. And from there, when the brethren heard about us, they came to meet us as far as Apiforum and three inns. And when Paul saw them, he thanked God and he took courage. 
Now, when we came to Rome, the centurion delivered the prisoners to the captain of the guard, but Paul himself was permitted to dwell by himself with the soldier who guarded him. Once again, this continual great favor shown to Paul throughout this entire voyage. Why? Because God's hand was upon him. There were still these great freedoms that were shown to him, allowing him to be able to visit other believers along the way. And again, I look at this centurion who is in charge, and I believe that this centurion understood that not only was Paul not guilty of any crimes, but I believe that this centurion was starting to see the reality and the truth of what Paul had been sharing during this whole thing. Personally, I believe that we're probably going to see this centurion in glory. I believe he's going to be up there. I believe that he came to know the Lord. Though Luke doesn't give us that clearly, we do see just by the way he's responding to Paul. Paul wasted no time once he got to Rome. He had no idea the length of life that God was going to give him there in Rome. He wanted to share the gospel with as many people as he could while he was there in Rome. Uh, first thing that he did after he got settled in was call the Jewish leaders together and explain to them why he was there. He wasn't sure what they had already heard, so he wanted to set the record straight. Look at verse 17. And it came to pass after three days that Paul called the leaders of the Jews together. So when they had come together, he said to them, men and brethren, though I have done nothing against our people or the customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans, who, when they had examined me, wanted to let me go because there was no cause for putting me to death. But when the Jews spoke against it there in Jerusalem, and in Caesarea, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar, not that I had anything of which to accuse my nation. And for this reason, therefore, I've called for you to see you and to speak with you. Because of the hope of Israel, I am bound with this chain. And they said to him, well, we've not received letters from Judah concerning you, nor have any of the brethren come to report or speak evil of you. But we do desire to hear from you what you think. For concerning this sect, the Christians, the way, because of this, or concerning this sect, we know that it's spoken against everywhere. So Paul has this great opportunity at this point in time to, again, reason with the Jews there in Rome, to speak to them. They were curious enough about him. They wanted to hear what he had to say about the way or the Christians. Quick lesson here is that as Paul shared with them on that first time, he didn't give them the whole load. He just kind of teased them a little bit, kind of whetted their appetite for what's going on in order to have a bit of a more extended time to be able to share with them the truth. What we're going to find out is when they came there in verse 23, when they had appointed him a day, many came to him at his lodging to whom he explained and solemnly testified of the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus from both the law of Moses and the prophets from morning till evening. From morning till evening. Verse 24. Some were persuaded by these things which were spoken, and some disbelieved. You see, that happens today, doesn't it? You can proclaim the reality and the truth of hope in Christ, the reality, the truth, the depth of the gospel. Some are going to receive it. Some are going to reject it. When they did not agree among themselves, they departed after Paul had said 
one word. I think it's funny how Luke says one word. It's one quick little phrase. Look what he says. Paul, in almost their time of departing, he says, the Holy Spirit spoke rightly through Isaiah the prophet to our father saying, go to this people and say, hearing you will hear and shall not understand. And seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears. Lest they should understand with their hearts and turn, so that I should heal them. Therefore, let it be known to you that the salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will hear it. And when he said these words, the Jews departed and had a great dispute among themselves. Paul said the G word again. Whenever he's speaking to the Jews, he brings up the fact God sent me to the Gentiles. Man, that just goes against everything that they are. And so at this point in time, they departed and literally began to dispute among themselves because some believed what Paul was saying. Others didn't believe. And so this battle came among the Jews. Verse 30, then Paul dwelt two whole years in his own rented house and received all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching the things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence and no one forbidding him. You realize here what we see is during two years, for two years, yes, Paul couldn't travel. He was under a house arrest. But when you look at it another way, you need to see Rome paid to get Paul to Rome. Once he was in Rome, yes, Paul had to rent his own house, but he was under the protection of Rome at this point in time. The Jews could not and would not do anything to him, and yet his home was wide open to be able to receive people from the community, someone there in Rome, uh, again, bringing a friend. Hey, you need to hear what this guy Paul is saying. He had absolute and complete freedom to teach and to preach to all who came to him, and that's exactly what he did. Also during this time in Rome is when he wrote those letters, uh, Ephesians and Philippians and Colossians and the book of Philemon. His ministry reached many of those, uh, even the Roman soldiers that were guarding him and watching over him. And I believe a multitude of others as they ventured into his home. And he continued to be, I believe, a strong encouragement even to all the believers, both in Rome and all of those who heard his witness. Why? Because God's hand was upon him. Even during all the struggle, even on the battle. Guys, if we were to drop from a parachute in the middle of this journey and suddenly land at what's going on with the Apostle Paul. We think, man, I think God has forsaken you. You guys are about to die. We look pretty much on any time of Paul's missionary journeys, the times that he's beaten, the times that he's stoned, the times that he's in prison. If we were to drop in just for that moment, we would think certainly God does not see or God does not understand what's going on. And for some of us, even today, we look at our life right now, what's going on, and we cry out, oh God, don't you hear? Don't you see? Don't you love? But beloved, I'm here to tell you, God's hand is still upon you. God is working his purposes and his plans out, and sometimes they're not very comfortable. Amen? Amen. Sometimes it's difficult 
give thanks in everything, particularly when you're going through struggles. But beloved, we haven't seen tomorrow yet, but God has. Thank you for joining us today on The Open Word. Acts is such an interesting book about the early church and how people engaged with their newfound faith and then spread that good news to their region and the entire world. If you're new to the Bible and are unsure what this newfound faith is, you can learn more about a man named Jesus who came to save you. He came as the Son of God to save you from your sins. These early disciples in the book of Acts were elated to share with everyone what Jesus had done for each of them. They wanted others to know that kind of love, too. If you want to understand this more fully, we'd like you to know that here at The Open Word, we're here for you and we're praying for you. If you have some questions, please give us a call at 520-836-9676. We'd also like to encourage you to find a church and begin attending regularly. If you live in Casa Grande, we'd love for you to come visit us. The Open Word is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Casa Grande, and we meet every Saturday at 6.30 p.m. and Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. You're welcome to join us for a time of worship and Bible study and a time to get to know other believers and find support. Find out more when you call us. Again, that number is 520-836-9676. You can also find out more about The Open Word and listen to additional messages by visiting theopenword.com. That's all for today. Thanks for tuning in to The Open Word. The Open Word.